welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody. This is Azariel Flame here at another exciting episode of the North Witch Podcast. And today we have a last minute guest on our awesome friend, Lepus Rex, and he is an exorcist. So how's it going today? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's been kind of a little bit of a quiet month, like no, <laughs> no drama, but uh, that doesn't mean it's going to stay like that. <laughs> so um it's raining here in new york city i'm in queens new york um and i i live here in new york in a former speakeasy and a former home for wayward girls and there's a lot of ghosts in my home and uh paranormal activity and stuff that i've documented so um this is a little bit of i would just say like um a crossroads like that i'm living on uh, you could try to burn sage all you want and say prayers every day and night. It's always going to be a crossroads. There's always going to be stuff going on here. And I just learned to just kind of live with it. So it's sort Super of like, uh, yeah. And it's kind of like, I live here. It's all weird. It's got spiral staircases. It's really like got a weird energy. And this is kind of my, um, what does Dr. Strange call his place in the movie, Dr. Strange? Um, oh, he's sure. like, you got me on the spot now. now I... <laughs> his shrine? I don't know what he calls yeah. his place. Yeah, but that's what it feels like. This is my doctor home place. It's Dr. Strange place. And, um, you know, one of the reasons you invited me on was to talk about this subject. And honestly, it's a subject that a lot of people really don't get into that much and have a lot of different ideas about. And I don't meet that many people that really do it as their spiritual thing. You know, they do a lot of other stuff and maybe they can do this or have done this, but it's not their like special, you know, special Pokemon power, put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's definitely one of those ones that I find a lot of people really want to shy away from. And, you know, they don't they don't even want to acknowledge that it exists. Right. Well, it's funny because I meet like Reiki healers and they're like, oh, I do Reiki. What kind of healing do you do? And I'm like, sweetheart, it don't look anything like that. That's for sure. Unless you want, it looks a little bit more like Planet of the Apes. 
right? <laughs> it looks a little bit more like a John Carpenter film um, than like something like you that looks like, um, you know, Golden Bells. And, you know, it's not a soft path, you know? It's definitely a, a, um, a, a path that's full of conflict. You know, you're in direct conflict with unseen forces <laughs> and your job is to, to, to win. Uh, and sometimes you win by understanding the spirit. Sometimes these spirits just are looking for recognition. It's like sometimes they need a hug, sometimes they need a baseball bat. And sometimes a hug is what the spirit needs to kind of stop being an asshole and move on, you know, so like the recognition or, you know, it just needs to be something about it needs to be resolved. And there's other ones that are, are much more malicious and you really have to beat them into submission. You know, um, I can only say that I used to run from demons and now demons run from me. And that's a really good feeling, you know? And as far as being a wizard, there's nothing better. Because when people say, oh, Craig, I'm gonna, because we get into spats with people online and this person's, oh, I'm gonna send over all my demons. I'll be send them over, bitch. And let's see what happens to them, right? You, have, you have zero fear because that's your thing. You know, they, they don't like you. The demons usually will run away from you, you know? They're, so I'd be surprised if someone could like send something to, you know, to get me. And if they do, like it won't, sometimes I get attachments on me too. Well, I'll tell you the story, how I get started in this thing because I was very reluctant. I didn't even believe in unseen forces. I thought these, you know, anything like this was a spirit, uh, psychological concoction. Um, I had a grandmother who had depressive psychosis and I would listen to her go on psychotic ramblings. I had a sister that went through a psychotic episode. I lived with somebody with textbook multiple person, disassociative personality disorder, used to be known as multiple personalities. You know, I've seen people on acid. I've talked people down off of bad trips. You know, I've talked, I've counseled people on ayahuasca. So I've seen insanity and I've seen delusions. So before people think that, oh, Craig, you're just, you know, there's psychological explanation for this. Believe me, I went through every one of them and tried to rule it out. I really wanted to say like, this is a psychological thing, but none of, but, but the experiences just didn't fit the psychological model for me. So uh, I was just really just an atheist kind of, uh, or an agnostic person, didn't believe in spirits, kind of believed in God sort of as a force, but, you know, didn't believe in spirits as something that could impact our lives at all. Um, and certainly that they couldn't do it against our will. That came as a shock to me that anything could do something to you against your will. I thought, well, how could something do something against your will? And that kind of blew my mind too. And guess what? These spirits don't give a fuck about your will. They don't give a fuck about your free will at all. They don't even understand your free will. It's not even a thing to them. So no matter how powerful you are as a wizard, don't think for a minute you can't get attachments because there's like low level attachments, which I call like little streety kind of attachments, just like booga booga. Like, ah. And then there's like strong ones that are oppressing your spirit, keeping you from being happy and successful, right? Keeping you from willing, doing your potential, stealing your power, stealing your magic, sucking it from you. So... You know, I see all these people on the Goetia groups, you know, like, oh, I want to be in the Goetia. I want to go to Demon. And I'm thinking, 
you know, does this person really have the will to even be playing in this realm? You know, and I haven't met that many people with a will that I've seen that could really deal with this stuff. Um, and certainly not deal with it if it was in a person coming at them. So that's where I get back to this party. So I've had a party. There was a guy at my party. I was, I was getting like a bad vibe from the guy. Like I didn't know him. I was a stranger and I just, I didn't feel right about it. Something was very unsettled. And I just went up to him and out of the blue, I just said, what happened to you as a child? Without even thinking about it, it just came out of my mouth. And he said, I was raped by my father repeatedly as a child. And immediately when he said that, my heart dropped. And I just felt bad for the man and I wanted to help him if I could, because we want to help someone who's traumatized if we can. And, you know, I had a little trauma as a kid when the SWAT team came into my house and I had to get over it. So I was giving him some trip, some uh, tricks and techniques and psychological things you could do with yourself to heal yourself from trauma. And I was giving him therapy, just like my therapist gave me. I'm just giving the man some free therapy like we all do to a friend. If someone came to us with some kind of trauma, we'd all kind of try to give them some counseling and therapy. And whatever I was saying was working for the man to the point where he was literally crying and going through something and releasing some deep pain from whatever happened to him. Imagine being raped repeatedly by your father. I was like almost vomiting just listening to the story. Terrible. And whatever I was saying was working and I was healing the guy's spirit right? I can't say it any other way. I was fixing this guy spiritually. I was fixing him emotionally, but I was kind of fixing him spiritually at the same time. So the guy goes to me after crying in a fetal position, do you mind if I take a nap? And I look at him, I go, please do. I will lie down. You look like you just went through a lot. I'm watching him and he starts closing his eyes. And as he's closing his eyes, I call it the golden zone. It's like the moment right in between consciousness and unconsciousness almost right before you fall asleep there's this golden zone that's right in between them and the man was right in that golden zone between consciousness and unconsciousness falling asleep when his face changed he gets up and he goes who the hell do you think you are and it wasn't the man at all it was a completely different thing that was more like a klingon warrior i can almost just say like an energy was like booga booga like, like Skeletor from freaking He-Man uh, He was all of a sudden in my place going, ah! And I didn't know how to react to it because I didn't even believe in this stuff, but everything changed in that moment. Every hair in my arm and my body just told me this is, you know, a spirit. This is it. what we think of as a demon. Hold on, Pixie. I'll get you some water. <laughs> I just got to get my dog a little water. Hold on a second. <laughs> and this is real life on podcasting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so here I am in the situation, a total non-believer, and all of a sudden a scene from The Exorcist is happening in my house, and a guy's coming at me aggressively and getting up, and I could have punched him, I could have called the cops, I mean, I was getting ready to deck the guy, and then I just asked in my brain uh, i was like who don't demons like and i just remember archangel michael and jesus were two things that came to my mind i'm jewish i don't really even have that faith but i was just like jesus archangel michael help me there's almost calgon man help me i don't know what's going on somebody better tell me what to do <laughs> and you know i was like help me calgon man you know Hello, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I was like, and the Calgon man came and it came in the form of like, uh, this thing's like, I heard a voice that said, you are the authority. Just like that. You are the authority. It's like four words. And I was like, all of a sudden I went from being afraid to being, I don't even know. It's almost like a spirit took me over. And all of a sudden I was freaking tough and as hard as nails. And I've never been stronger in my spirit in my entire life like all this almost like a lion inside of me it's like became so strong and i looked at it and i said i said you're i said you're his fucking demon you're not mine and you weren't invited in my house so get the fuck out now and i looked at it like we look at somebody in the street that you're about to throw down with it was almost like a street fight it's like it's going down and I'm not backing down. And I, he goes, oh, what? And you see the confused. I said, you heard me. I said, get the fuck out. And I said it just like I was throwing a bozo out of my party like the week before. Just like you're throwing a drunken asshole out of your party or bartender doing it. That's what I felt like throwing a drunken asshole. And the guy goes, and it falls down. The guy gets up and he's crying. And he goes, oh, my God, you got it off of me. You took it off of me. I've been to therapists and, 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 and shamans and this and that. I've been to all kinds of people to try to help me. And you just took it off of me. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I just felt this thing, like this pressure. And like for the first time in my life, I don't feel like it. Like I feel like my spirit is free for the first time in my life. And he was so grateful to me, like he was crying. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to thank you. And I was kind of blown away by the whole thing. And in one way, I felt amazing because I was like, wow, that felt really powerful. Like, I fucking kicked that thing's ass. That wasn't hard at all. That thing just fucking folded and left. That wasn't that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, I also got scared because I was like, man, now I have to worry about unseen fucking forces in the world. And it was something that wasn't a problem to me before this experience. Unseen forces and the ramifications of things that we can't see with our eyes and how they can affect us. It wasn't something that was an issue. So now all of a sudden I have a brand new issue in my life. There are unseen forces out there that can affect people. And what does it mean? And then I spent the next year getting, picking up all my, my magic books from when I was a kid, all my shaman books from when I was a kid and into like shamanism and magic and my Crowley books. And I start getting them off of the shelf and I just start reading everything again with a new idea of that this that there's a, something out there that we don't understand and that it can affect people against their will. So when I say it's against people's will, put it this way, it is against their will and against their will because whatever it is, that demon was feeding on that man's guilt and shame from being molested by my father, from his dad. It was, that's all I could feel is it was feeding on that thing that that horrible incident that thing was eating like cookie monster you know like cookie monster eats cookies this thing's eating pain and shame and it's like, nom, 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 nom. and that's all i kept thinking in my mind i was like what an asshole this thing is on somebody who is already victimized and it's making them more victimized and it's making them replay the victimization in their brain again and again and feeding off of it what a shitty spirit to even exist so it kind of motivated me a little bit to be 
to not shy away from this, but really understand it and get better at it. Uh, and then I had like another couple of incidences that happened and it was always a person that was acting completely normal and becomes like a caveman. And like, uh, you know, there's one girl comes into my place. She comes with a friend. I'm just doing a general, like whatever, a little bit of blessing, like he, trying to work on their friend a little bit who thought he might've had something on her. And this girl from West Africa, right? Starts getting up, starts speaking in Arabic, starts taking off her clothes saying, ah, fuck me wizard. Blah. She's taking out her tits and like grabbing her pussy and stuff. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> fuck, she was a freaking gin. A gin comes out of this girl in my house and she starts telling me, ah, I'm a gin. Like, I didn't even know that this girl supposedly comes from West Africa and her father was into gin magic and promised his daughter's spirit to a gin. Like this all came out later. And this normal girl all of a sudden is as strong as a man trying to grab me, wrestling with me. And I'm basically like, having to deal with it and you know one of the ways that you have that i learned to deal with it is if they're not all, so what you you know who are the people that go to see dominatrixes right businessmen who are really powerful who secretly want to be secretly want to be put in their place well that's kind of like what i feel about demons you know these things act all tough what they really want is to someone to teach them a lesson they're really submissive. They really secretly want to serve. That's why magicians can get demons sometimes to serve them, right? They secretly want to serve somebody because they're looking for somebody more powerful than to dominate them. So that gin girl, all of a sudden, she starts doing shit. And I didn't even know what I was doing because I never studied this stuff. It just happens in the moment. You know, I'm like, I didn't take a course on it. I just do what I feel it's almost like being in improv class and someone says, oh, all right, you're doing a scene from The Exorcist and you're improving it, go. I just feel like whatever's in my heart, I just do. And maybe people don't respect me as a shaman because I'm not owner of a lineage and I don't have this, but put me against a demon and somebody and I'll show you what I can do, right? Because that's where my strength comes out. And then I realized that the girl that the gin was in she, I kept calling her a pig. Like, to her, when they uh, see the thing is, to me, it's a game of breaking the spirit, like a horse, you know, like you break the spirit of a horse that's wild. So imagine this, a demon kind of not being evil, but being a wild animal like that, that could like hurt you. Well, if you know how to break the spirit of the animal, not only can you get it to do what you want, you can actually get it to serve you and ride it you get what i'm saying but it requires you to break your their spirit now a lot of wizards don't necessarily want to go there i didn't want it to the girl all of a sudden when i started i guess beating her because i kept calling her i hate to say it i kept calling her filthy pig because she kept on <laughs> making these noises and i said why do you make pig noises in front of me and she goes, oh. i go you heard me how dare you make pig noises in front of me are you a pig? Are you a pig that needs to go outside with the pigs? And she would go, oh, oh. I was like, make more pig noises, please. Make more pig noises around me. And I was calling her an abomination. I was like, you are an abomination. Do you realize that? And, uh, uh, uh. 
and I just kept humiliating it. I was like, you're so disgusting that a piece of shit has more dignity to God than you are. You know, how dare you, a fucking girl, this girl's spirit, oppressing this girl's spirit, you know, but with me, come at me, see what, see what somebody who knows what's going on is going to do. You can't do shit against me. And she goes, who are you? Who are you? And I didn't even know. I just said, who am I? I'm a priest of Solomon. That's who I am. I'm a motherfucking priest of Solomon. Do you know what that means? Oh, no. I go, that means I can bind you to a stone and cast you in the sea. And she goes, uh, now, can I really do that? I don't know. I think I can. I'd like to try that. I could. It really doesn't matter, does it? Because it was sort of a psychological game at the same time. It was sort of a game of wits, right? This thing had to believe that I was Merlin for me to win. It had to believe that I was capable of like the worst terrible magic. And maybe I, at that moment, maybe I was, I have no idea, but it had to think that I was Solomon himself. I kept saying, don't make me summon Solomon right here. I'll sum summon Suleiman. You want me to summon Suleiman to punish you? No, don't summon Suleiman. I was like, oh yeah, I'll summon Suleiman right now. Let's see what, let's, let's see what he's about. But the funniest part of that night was I can almost say, you know, in the episodes of Star Trek or like in the movies, when you confuse the computer and the computer goes, does not compute love. What is the meaning of love? Does not compute, does not compute. And the computer blows up. So she goes to me, she goes, she goes, I will stab you. And I go, how will you stab the ocean woman? I am the ocean. How will you stab the ocean? And she goes, huh? how will I stab the ocean? Ugh. How will I stab the ocean? And she goes, uh, I will, I will, if you pick up a bow and arrow, I will become the feathers and the wood. I will become the sky and I will become the skin on your fingers as you pull back the bow. She goes, what are you, a cosmic wizard? And so she goes, she goes, I'm going to kill you. Now, this is the funniest part, right? I always say like, this was the Dr. Strange moment because she goes, I will kill you. And she's attacking me. And I say, I remember the scene in Doctor Strange when he becomes multiples of himself and like he fights and there's like 20 Doctor Stranges all around him. In my mind, and I didn't even know what I was doing, I imagined that my spirit was a deck of cards and I folded out like a thousand of me around me. And I said, in my mind, I say, which one of us will you kill? There's a thousand of me. Look around you. And she looks around, she goes, I see a thousand of you. Now, question is, did I project a thousand of me astrally that she saw it or were I, was I just, um, hold on, was it? I gotta uh, message this person. Um, did I just trick her? Was it a psychological game? Was I hypnotizing somebody? I have no idea. All I knew is it was seeing what I wanted it to see. I wanted that thing to see a thousand of me and it did, and it scared it. And it was like, what are you from outer space? What kind of wizard? I was like, I was like this is really funny, man. This is like a, literally something out of a movie. So at the end of it, it the, the girl, after me browbeating her for an hour, she gets on her knee and she goes, you are my master now. And I was like, any, I'd say 80% of the wizard, she was hot too, she was smoking. I would probably say 80% of these like gray black black wizards or whatever would be like, okay, I'm your master now. But I was like, man, no unclean beast will serve me.
sorry. And she went, please, she started crying. Let me serve you. And I was like, is this what this gin thing is about? Like, I'm like, is this real? What? This whole thing about gin and master. And she's asking me if I'd be a master. And it blew my mind because I remember all the stories about the gin and the master. And she's saying, I want you to be my master. And it was very, very weird. And so eventually I managed to throw her out. And then my friend's like, oh, she's in my car. She won't get out of my car. He drove her home. And I had to threaten her to fucking bind her to stones again. So, um, you know, after that, I just learned it just, like I said, it freaked me out again. So out of all the spirits that I fought, the gin spirit was the strongest one. So what they say about gin being like a special breed of spirit, that specific one was really the hardest one. And she was really, I've never seen a person like, the, I just kept looking at her and the, I kept getting a psychic vision of like someone being a puppeteer. Like it wasn't the woman. It was literally someone was puppeteering this person. Uh, and it was almost like a man's voice. And she was really hot. Imagine the hottest girl that you can kind of think of coming in, smoking girl and taking off her clothes saying, fuck it, right now. And I was like, is this like temptation of a demon? I felt like I was just like, this is kind of like a biblical thing. Like this thing wants to like tempt me in a sexual way. And it would be very easy to go there because she's hot as hell. And be quite honest, I was like, hadn't been with someone in a long time. You know, it was like, I was like, hey, this, you know, should I, you know, part of me the naughty Craig was like, you could totally have sex with this demon right now. And be like, I'm sure a lot of dudes would be like, Craig, you should have taken a demon. You should have gone for it but I just knew that it was not something I should have been doing. Like intuitively for me, like sticking my dick in like pure evil was not something I wanted to do because whatever it was, that shit was evil. It was hurting that girl. Uh, it was ruining her life. And um, I didn't like it. And I was, it pissed me off again. And that kind of shit motivates me, like makes me feel like I'm doing something good because that stuff is on people against their will she couldn't help it it's like it had control of her so that and makes so did me you upset. get rid of her get rid of that demon and then how is that oh well, no here's what was now? happening it popped into my house but my ex-wife was coming over in 20 minutes with the, my kids and i was like things were gonna go down like i would have freaking got out chapters from the quran i would have like just done it I, you know i learned how to do it now uh because basically that demon was an islamic demon and if i if you have see every all these spirits seem to rep, have some kind of respect for some kind of authority like jesus is an authority to some of these spirits um solomon seemed to be an authority to this spirit and in muslims solomon is kind of an authority you know to to, to the people in the muslim faith so is jesus um so uh, you know, I feel like the call upon authority that there's an authority over them, you know, kind of scares them. I mean, I didn't know a lot about the gin when this thing popped out. And then after that, I learned, I went and learned all about the gin and studied it intensely to really try to understand what it was. But, you know, it was not, um, you know, it was something that was um, something that I was upset was running around i would literally i first of all i was thinking well if there's these 
bad spirits, there's have to be good spirits. So, you know, I don't really sit around and talk to angels that often, but after that stuff happened, I did kind of talk to these angels. I'm like, you know, how, how, how do you let this stuff go on? Like God, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you let this, how do you let these evil spirits do this to people against their will? This seems so unfair that this is allowed to be, that these spirits can transgress like this. And there's no, there's no balance. There's no divine balance. And then I just heard inside, you're the divine balance, Craig. That's what I heard in my mind. You're part of divine balance. People like you maintain the balance. So that made me feel good that like I'm part of some kind of plan, you know, between the balance of dark and light. Look, I'm not a goody goody. Anybody that knows me says Craig's, you know, a jaded, you know, guy. And I, you know, I'm not a, like a priest and, you know, I party, I do, you know, smoke weed and, you know, I'm a bad, I was a bad boy. I was a juvenile delinquent. I was got arrested all the time. So I'm not a goody goody guy. So I'm not a, an authority of right and wrong, but, you know, these spirits are looking to get judged. And the, I had another experience where a guy came over my house and out of the blue, it was the same thing, normal guy. And all of a sudden, ooga booga. And um, this guy was like, and they, he would go back and forth. He'd be like, Craig, Craig, please help me. Uh, uh. You know, we will control the situation. No, Craig, get it off of me. Please get it off of me. And um, that guy, I actually didn't know what to do with him to help him. And I, he was a Christian, the guy. And I made him, and I found my, I found, I have this Jewish cup called the Kaddish cup that I got when I was 13 out of my bar mitzvah. And it's like, I guess a holy cup. And I was like, man, I don't know what to do about this thing. I'm just going to improvise. I'm, like, I'm going to make it drink holy water. And I took some like Jewish cup that I got when I was 13. I filled it with water. I put my finger in it and I say, I anoint this water, holy water now, motherfucker. And I looked at it. This water is holy water. Drink it. And he went, huh? I said, this water is holy water in the name of God. Drink it now. And he started drinking it drinking the water from this cup, drinking, 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 uh, uh, until he started puking. And it was like the puke that came out didn't even look like normal vomit. It looked like gelatin almost. It looked like something out of a movie, like ectoplasm that he puked up. And he's like, yeah, Craig, you're doing it. And then the guy's still begging me to help him. And I'm like, oh, I was like, and it was raining outside. And I said, we're going to go outside in the rain now, motherfucker. And it's going to feel good on me, but it's going to burn you bitch and he went huh i said the rain is gonna feel good on me but it's gonna burn you you heard me and sure as shit he went outside and he's like ah, it burns and i was like that's right motherfucker so the question is how am i getting him to have that experience i don't know i just am how am i making the rain burn him am i just hypnotizing him well then good i'm hypnotizing a demon to do what i want excellent that's a form of magic too Getting anybody to think what you want them to think and see what you want them to see is a magical ability, correct? They call that glamour magic, right? Getting somebody to see something that you want them to see or have them experience that you want to project into their brain. So was I doing a glamour on these people, making them see things? Great. That's amazing if I was doing that. All I know is whatever I wanted them to see and feel and experience, they were experiencing. And that made me be in the driver's seat.
and not feel like I was um, ever in danger or anything could happen. And um, it really felt like this is like, oh my God, I'm good at playing the guitar and this. You know, I have like one of the little skills in magic. I'm not, and I don't, like people are like, oh, Craig, I get up every morning and I do the right hand ritual and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, I don't do any of that shit. I bring on a demon and then I get to work, right? It's like, it, we all have a different niche in magic that we're good at, you know? And it's like, I don't need a lot of trinkets, although I have them. I don't really need anything. All I need is my will to do that kind of work. It's just pure willpower. It's one will versus another will. And magic and will are very much related, right? So magic comes from like your will. You're just willing things to happen sometimes. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's like, wow. So it's a game of will. And um, it's not always that violent. It's not always like I need to like kill you or it's not always I'm gonna make you suffer. Like the guy in the rain, he was like still making pig noises like <laughs> and I was like man you know what we do with pigs and he goes Ugh. and I threw, I pushed him to the ground and I took my finger and put it along his throat I said we cut their throats and I put my thumb along his throat and I said and they bleed out bitch so now bleed out and he's on the ground in the rain coughing like he's choking <laughs> and then he closed his eyes and he woke up and it was the guy again like I watched almost the demon bleed out from its neck and all i did is i ran my thumb across the guy's necks i said your neck is now open and you're bleeding bitch and i would just say it to the thing and it would just experience whatever i would say the man would experience it the thing would see it if i wanted it to see me some way you know it would see me that way and it was uh controlling their experience does that make sense to you so Absolutely. that was Right. So that's kept me in that kept me in the driver's seat that they could see what I wanted them to see. If I wanted them the rain to burn on their backs, that's what they would feel. The rain would burn. I would just have to suggest it strongly. And that's the power of suggestion. They learned that in, in they learned that in hypnosis. Right. If I say the rain's going to burn your back, you might go out and the rain might hit you and you just might think the rain is burning your back. Right. Because I put that idea in your head. So part of magic is also getting somebody part of magic when it comes to another person is getting somebody to experience and think what you want them to think and that's what i learned about fighting these demons and i'm not going to even call them demons because honestly i was expecting to find something intelligent like hello there i'm the archduke of blah 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 blah, blah from the ninth plains of, of hades and i'd like to tell you about astrology in the moon no it's like ooga booga caveman time so i don't know where these other demons that like people talk about like the smart ones i haven't seen one although i did meet a guy that i swear to god was a real vampire and i met a woman who i'm convinced was a fairy but i've never like seen you know had an experience with a demon that was like really smart most of them seem really dumb and kind of like almost like klingons does that make sense like yeah absolutely and my, my experience in that area has been very similar you know like i do i do goetic evocation and invocation and stuff like that and i mean those are you know they, they feel like gods when they come through and they are intelligent but anytime that i have actually done a for real exorcism 
they, they are unintelligible most of the time. Any of the stuff that you do get out of them is grunting, squealing, shit in different languages, you know, like it, all of a sudden you're getting yelled at in Aramaic, what the fuck, right? Like, and, and it's, you know, they respond very, very differently than any of these spirits that you do magic with or evocations with on a general basis. So I'd almost say that they're like a different class of spirit that's you know they're like they're the bottom feeders you know what i mean like they're there's they're there to feed on garbage <laughs> well but but there's got to be a, a different level in that like the thing that went out of the guy when i said get the hell out and it ran away i would say that was like a, a plus one demon say dungeons and dragons whereas the gin <laughs> i would say would be like an eighth level you know like spirit it was much more hard to deal with it would have been much more dramatic it was much had much more control over the person and it didn't fold right away it wanted to keep fighting so um but there is about the other the aftermath like how is the guy who's who was uh raped by his father and how is the lady now after after you've done all this how are they in the world well or do you right. know that? Well, and, and do the demons return to them? Well, I'll say it? the guy that, um, the guy, the first guy that came to my party, he was like clear for a while. And all of a sudden he got into like spirituality and doing the right thing. But to be quite honest, like he, uh, if you're not willing to change, like the demon's feeding on something. If you take away its food, it goes away like a pimple. You know, it's like literally it's feeding on something. If it's feeding on your guilt and shame or it's feeding on your anger, if you're not going to stop being angry, it's just going to come back. If right. it's feeding on your self-doubt, if you're going to go back to that place where you doubt yourself, guess what? It's just going to come back. So the man in the long run wasn't willing to change his ways. The, the second guy that I did around that time completely changed his ways and changed his life and became like the ideal dad and stuff like that. And like never like had another episode with it, but also understood. See, he was a little bit of an interesting one because there's a certain kind of gin in um, genealogy or in like Arabic folklore called the Quarine. Now, the Quarine is really interesting because the Quarine is a spirit that's almost like our shadow self. We talk about that Jungian shadow self in a lot of ways. The Quarine is a spirit that's almost wrapped around our spirit. That's almost like our Jekyll and Hyde. You know, it's like it is us and it's not us at the same time. And I started thinking later on with that one guy that he also might have had a gin in him. The one I got out in the rain I was talking about, and I slit his throat because of the, just the nature of the way that the thing was behaving and kind of what it was responding to. Like, I felt like the universe was setting me up to like teach me a little bit about like gin spirits a little bit, but it's not always that way. Like sometimes I'll be, a girl was telling me she had a spirit on her and she asked me to take it off of her. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh my God, I see my ancestors around me. And I was like, you see your ancestors and the attachment wasn't a demon. It was her ancestors that were actually attached to her. And she saw them and all of a sudden was talking to her ancestors in her, in her brain and stuff. It was kind of interesting. It's not always a demon. Sometimes also 
it's just an icky human spirit, right? So like sometimes I feel like I'm doing work on somebody and I just kind of get a flash of something in my brain that just looks like some disgusting, like gnarly guy on the street that's just like rapey and gross. Like it's just, I can't explain it. Like the worst guy people in, in like um, a Batman movie. Uh, so there are, there are these low level street spirits. Now the thing is people pick them up. I didn't also think that, here's another thing I wanna teach everybody is I started going around being like Mr. Exorcist, I'm gonna take these off people. And then all of a sudden I started feeling really weird shit and feeling like weird back pains. My neck got all of a sudden really numb. My arm all of a sudden I woke up and I couldn't feel my arm. I didn't realize that they were jumping off of the people and onto me. I didn't know that part. No one said, oh, by the way, Craig, just like the movie Exorcist, when it jumps on the priest, they jump onto you because they want to go on, have as much fun. Why would they be hanging on this bozo when they can go on the wizard? So they're going to jump right the hell off of them, probably onto you. So what are you going to do about it? Once they're on you, how do you deal with it then? Because I'm mean, after I was doing this for a couple of like a month or so, I was like, I feel terrible. I can't do this anymore. And then I spoke to my other friend who's now a very famous shaman in Hollywood. And he goes, he goes, oh, Craig, you're gonna, you, gotta, you can't do this for other people until you learn how to get them off yourself. And that set me on another journey, learning how to get them off of me. Because I didn't think, I'm like, oh, I'm so great and powerful. They're not going to jump on me. And guess what? They jumped all over me. And they're all attached to me. And I, there are places that I couldn't see and parts of my spirit and parts of my body that I couldn't see where I felt them holding on to, specifically parts of my back and stuff. And um, I had to learn to get them off of me. And there's different ways that I had to learn to say, clean them off of me. There's different techniques that I use. You know, one way, if I feel them on me, and if I even feel a spirit on me, I'll say to them, stay on me a little bit longer because I'm poison to you. That's what I say. I go, the longer you're going to attach to me, kiddo, the more I become poison for you. And usually that's enough to get whatever I'm on to jump the fuck off right away. They, for some reason, they don't like that because I mean it. I'll make myself poison. So if they're sucking on me, if I'm poison, suck away, right? Suck away on poison. And that's one way to kill them. Another way to kill them, if they're on you, is... I, this sounds new agey, and I hate to say this, but like raising your vibration. So for instance, if I take a, a lot of mushrooms and it raises my vibration and it opens up my third eye, I can either shake them off of me or sometimes I vomit. They all of a sudden I'll feel sick, I'll vomit and I'll know that I'm vomiting up some kind of attachment, something on me that I might've picked up or you just pick up on your work. And that's why a lot of wizards have these attachments all over them because they're doing magic and they're opening and looking for this spirit and they're not doing any of this other stuff that has to do with shaman stuff which is cleaning your attachments off of you i i, I put this more in the league of like shamanism right because like exorcism is a one-time thing shamanism it's more like what are you doing on a daily basis to keep things from attaching to you as a practice you were talking about magical protection you know yeah there are certain magical protections 
like you can make a bath of holy water and you can go take a bath on it and just imagine that it's freaking killing everything that's on you you can drink that holy water you have attachments on you you could do the same thing you make some holy water and you'd be like this is now holy water drink it bitch it's drowning this bitch and you keep drinking it and guess what they don't like it because they don't like your magic used on them that's magic turning water into holy water and making it poison to a spirit that's magic correct so you know good news is you can use your magic against them um the the, the tricky part is they hide really really well that's their thing when we talk about spirits that are can almost hide themselves this is why I always find them on like people's backs having back pains and surprise, surprise, there's some kind of thing attached to them because it's always somewhere where we can't see and get to and a part of our brain and a part of our consciousness. They're just the best disguisers, right? So whatever they are, they hide really, really well in people during the day and sometimes only come out like i know people like when they drink they become different people completely different people and the next day they don't remember anything it's part of me was like is that the alcohol or is all of a sudden they drink a freaking spirit comes over takes over and then the next day they don't remember anything you know it's That's like a big one that i've seen for sure people that get ridden by spirits when they're drunk it's kind of crazy actually how many see too right uh, right it's yeah. like it's not the person you can't even rationalize with them anymore um but the other way of getting spirits off of you just like shamans and wizards we can let certain spirits ride us so for instance if i want to get demons off of me there are certain entities and gods and goddesses that i'm going to call demon killers right so kali for instance kali in hindu faith has the heads of demons like is eats demons that's her job kali eats demons so if you know how to let yourself get ridden by kali kali gonna eat all the demons that are there right so that's another way it's like letting it's dragons i work with dragons if i like let a dragon into me and kind of like i'm gonna be like uh, Merlin from uh, Excalibur and let the dragon come into me and do the spell of making, you know, and let the dragon come into me, it's going to do something to me. It's going to give me power, you know. Maybe it's a dragon. Maybe to a shaman, it might be a jaguar. So the jaguar comes in and it gives him, like, the energy, and that's the fierceness. I just know that being fierce is something that they really respect, you know, and and but Sometimes I feel really bad for these spirits too, because what a pathetic life that is. You think what a miserable existence that is, like just sucking on people's energy. And it's like, is there re any redemption? Because sometimes like the girl got on her hands and knees. She was like, give me grace, wizard, give me grace. And I was like, part of me was like, I felt bad. I was like, does this thing even deserve grace? It's so disgusting. And how would that even look like to give grace to like a monster like this? What would that even look like? Uh, well, anyway, after like the first couple of ones, I got really, I got really manic. After the first guy's experience, I got very, very manic because I was worried that I was on the shit list of the demons. I was like, man, now that I kicked the demon's ass, now they're all going to be looking for me. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't want to be on a list. I got a life to live. But um, 
And then weird shit would come out of people. Like I'd be on that during that whole period of time where all of a sudden I kind of like woke up as this thing, I would be online just doing nothing at the airport. And somebody in front of me would start getting really angry for no reason and flipping out and like looking at me, giving me dirty looks. Someone on the subway all of a sudden would start looking at me and giving me like a horrible, evil look just out of the blue. They were nice a second ago. And so whatever I was and am, you know, certainly at that point when I was really kind of like getting into it, kicks up demons in people and i think there's certain people whose energy just kicks them up in people you know so my energy is if i'm with somebody and it's in somebody it's going to come out it's just part of being next to me that it's just going to come out of somebody it does it can't hang out too long in somebody being around me because something about me shakes them up from their roots and i've kind of accepted that as a gift but it's kind of a horrible gift because it's messy fucking work. Fighting demons is the worst magical job that there is. I'm like, people are like, I want to get into your stuff you do. I was like, no, you don't. You really don't. It's the worst. People don't have money to pay you really to do it. You know, there are people like, what are people going to give you? What are you going to ask for like 25? It's worth probably $50,000. What's somebody going to give you? Like a couple hundred bucks, you know, for like hours and hours of excruciating, like, nail biting uh you know apocalyptic and biblical shit you know it's like it's not worth it and then i got worried because i've got children and i didn't want to bring shit in the house and i was like how do i balance my life and this work so that's why i don't advertise i don't you never see me doing like spiritual exorcism classes join me at blah 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 it's like nope if people want to learn what I do and learn more from me, they'll be in touch with me privately and it'll be a private conversation. I don't want the attention because it's a lot of, it takes a lot out of you, you know, just doing one of them sessions for like four hours when you're wrestling with something like that, you know, I mean, you're empowered, especially if you win, but at the same time, it takes a lot out of you because everything's at stake. You can't lose, right? You can't lose in that situation. You have to win. Yeah. And, and it is absolutely draining. And I, I mean, people don't realize, you know, screaming incantations at something for four or five hours straight. I, I mean, never mind just the normal physical pains that you would have from that, but then the energy that you're pulling through you. And, you know, if you're doing, if you're actually doing by the book exorcisms and putting on deific masks, like in the Steli of Jew or any of the old Catholic exorcisms, things like that, like the, the amount of spiritual energy that you are pushing through you can't compare it to almost anything else it's it's exhausting and it there is some like residual stuff you know what i'm saying there is some like because now you had this experience with this demon so even you're kind of always attached to them like my those three demons that i fought you know and i fought more than that but those are the three that looked like it could have been a movie uh those three movie ones i'm attached to those things even though I'm, uh, even though I'm not, I still am because my fate is wound up with them, right? My fate is tied up with the fate of those spirits in a way that I change the course of their lives, those people. And once you do that, you're kind of bound to somebody in a way. So um, I don't mind. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, the good news is I'm not really scared. And the funny thing is, it's like, it's kind of fun to be mean 
to a spirit sometimes because no one's mean to it. Everyone's afraid of it. And you're going to come and you're going to be mean to it and you're going to be the bully to it. And so turning the tables on something that's a bully is very empowering, right? Like who's the bully now? You were the bully. Now I'm going to be a bully to you and I'm going to oppress you. Let's see how you like when I oppress you, right? When I put the weight of my spirit on top of you, because that's what I feel when I'm dealing with them, that I'm pressing them down. In my mind, I'm pressing them down. In my mind, I'm imagining my spirit is bigger than them and heavy and pressing down on them. Pressing down. And that's a spiritual pressure. And you can see it actually take its toll. Oh, you want to hear the funniest thing? This is the funniest thing. You would appreciate this. So the one guy, let's just call him, this is the guy that I took him out in the rain, had this moment where... I decided to do an experiment and see what would happen. And he's sitting there going, uh, uh, making these noises. And I have this beautiful brass um, um, uh, scepter from, from uh, a Taoist scepter from China. And it's made of complete brass. And I gave it, no, no, that's like, I have a brass Ethiopian cross made of brass from the Ethiopian church that I have as like a relic. And I gave it to him and he goes, why are you giving this to me? And I go, because I just handed you brass. Now you're bound to that brass motherfucker. And he went, uh, I went, yeah, I just tricked you into holding brass. Now that you're holding brass, you're bound to it and you're not going to be able to move. And all of a sudden I was, he's like, I can't move. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, now laughing because I didn't even understand when they talk about binding something to brass, like I didn't really know how to do that, kind of. Like I know it's in the books of the grimoires, binding a spirit to brass, but I didn't think you could do it like that. And I didn't even know if I was really doing it right, but whatever it is, it was like, it seemed to make him not be able to move. He was like, I can't move, what did you do to me? And I was like, I bound you to brass, motherfucker. I bound it to you. And he couldn't move, I said, I can't move, take it away. And I was like, uh-uh. And so was that me hypnotizing him? Was that me doing glamour on him? Did the brass really bind him? Who the hell knows I was winning? You know, I have just as many questions as you guys do. Like, So really oh, you just go in with intention and your intention is what goes. My, my, intention, my intention is like, uh, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna, I'm a predator and this is my prey. That's, that's how I go into it. I become, fierce there's something in me that comes out of me in just in that situation that it doesn't really come out in other situations but this is a very fierce side to me that comes out in that situation right this is craig's like alter ego you know it's like super craig it comes out it's very very fierce it's very focused it has knows all the right things to say and that craig just kind of runs the show so that craig kind of comes into me because I don't believe that we're just one self. I believe we're many selves. It's just which persona is driving the ship at that point, right? So there's Craig the dad and there's Craig the wizard and there's Craig the exorcist and there's Craig, you know, the guitar player. It's like, what, what's the, who's driving? And that guy that comes through me is like Craig, the John Constantine version. Right. So the Constantine version of Craig comes in and it's a slightly different Craig 
than normally in my normal life, you know? And I don't know why I know what to say or how to say it, but I, whatever it is, seems like it's the right thing to say. And I have an impeccable record. I haven't lost one time, you know? I've never had, the only the girl had to leave early because my kids were coming. I was like, I can't finish this. My kids are about to walk in. You know, that's, and that's why it's not really a practical thing. Like my kids could walk in on my Reiki session, but they can't walk in on this. So you really have to, if you have a normal family, you, it's hard to do this stuff without really fucking up your family. I and mean, the kids could get really afraid. I mean, think about it. You know, you don't want to get your kids all of a sudden thinking that demons are after daddy and stuff like that. So how do you separate it from your family life and not let it ruin your family life? right because for a while boundaries right what yeah i mean boundaries because this stuff is like you know this stuff is like it can be scary stuff but um it's not scary to me anymore and i think that um you know it's a gift like everybody has a gift like piano players whatever like i can only say this is more of a gift than a skill because it's not like i studied how to do it right it's not like i read the books like you know how to do it and like like now i know how to do like the seals of solomon i've got this really thing called solomon's knot which is really great that i like to use which was something that they found on jewish gravestones in in um in scotland you know you should like look at solomon's knot it's like an amazing binding sigil so um i'm all about it now you know i get it i have a little bit of a different view though about um you know the like sort of modern we call demonolatry right so it's it's certainly different from this kind of demons and i don't even think it should be the same word because sort of demonolatry is like god worship because these are all the old gods right all the demons of the goetia are just gods of some other culture besides the hebrews so in a way it's, it is like working with a god right because when you look at the roots of them most of those things were gods right uh what was it um uh osmodeus was what ashima deva and ashima was like the number one god of the canaanites ashima right but deva made her evil because deva was evil to zoroaster that was a bad spirit so then it became and that's what led us to you know you know osmodeus like i've studied a lot of these spirits because i wanted to understand demons and I would go and I would find the demons from the Goetia and I would study and try to find the origin. And then I would just find some like Canaanite God or a, a goddess somewhere. So it changed my whole idea about it. Um, and, you know, the baneful stuff, you know, to me sometimes can feel a little bit like, you know, like rebellion for rebellion sakes. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, I know some people like to dress in black. Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't look the part. I look like a normal person. I don't dress in black. And some people need that and like it. You know, I like some ceremonial robes and stuff like that. But like, I sort of like the idea that I don't need anything. Now, what was also interesting at that time, I started getting into Buddhism at the time when all this stuff started happening too. And one of the stories of Buddhist Buddha that I remember is when Mara and the daughters of Mara are attacking Buddha, Buddha turns the, the arrows of the demons become flowers at Buddha's feet. And I always thought like, man, that would be like the best magic to have, right? Whatever comes at you becomes flowers at your feet, <laughs> right? Whatever. Absolutely. 
darkness comes at you becomes flowers at your feet. Whatever attacks come at you become flowers at your feet. So, so do you feel like you can make a protection around you that then that will deflect that and anything? Oh, yeah, it's very powerful magic when I did it. Yeah. It's very, very powerful magic, you know, and um, I mean, this is a little different, but I did work on the one girl that came in that was the North African girl. She kept going, fuck you. And I go, I said, every time you say fuck you, you make flowers at my feet. I said, say fuck you again. She goes, fuck you. I go, every time you say fuck you, you're making flowers at my feet. So say fuck you again. And she, uh, and she stopped. So I don't know if that was that magic in action, but it was kind of an example that if people are attacking you and they know their attack is just becoming flowers at your feet, what are they going to do about it? Keep attacking you? It's like, you know, and I really think that that's like action without an action. It's like being so secure with your spirit just to know that everything is going to come off of you. Now, in, in, um, in Taoism, there's a concept called this, to have a sticky spirit or a not sticky spirit. In Taoism, they talk about having a sticky spirit and a non-sticky spirit. So when people say, hey, Craig, how do I keep attachments off of me? I say, don't have a sticky spirit. If you have a sticky spirit, you can get attachments. So what does it mean, sticky spirit? Sticky spirit is when you have attachments. When you have a lot of attachments to a lot of things and haven't let go of things and haven't let go of this and haven't let go of the past, you attach to this and attach to that person, sticky spirit. Things are going to attach to you because you have more attachments. If you're detached like a Buddha, and you have very few attachments, there's nothing to grab onto, right? So why can't these things jump on Buddha? Because Buddha has no attachments or he has very little attachments. He went out of his way to get rid of his attachments. So your attachments make you sticky and then things stick to you. If you get rid of your attachments, you could be like sand. That's another way to protect yourself too, is think about your spirit like sand. So that nothing that comes on your spirit can attach to it, right? Always think about your spirit like sand or like water, that nothing can get a hold of it. Be like Teflon, be like something that you can't get a hold of. But there are some different ways, like simple ways to protect yourself that I've learned from different cultures from around the world. So like in shamanism around the world, like they use animal spirits. So you can do a simple thing like think, you know, invoke a porcupine. Well, why is a porcupine? Well, a porcupine has spikes and they're scary and nothing fucks with a porcupine and nothing eats it. Imagine you have spiritual porcupine quills. That's like a little simple thing that you can do to protect yourself. Um, I like, you know, uh, you know, working with animals too, like because they help, they almost help you create a magic power. Um, I like electric eels, you know, nothing eats an electric eel. And if you bite it, you're going to get zapped. So if I wanted to like, you know, bring in electric eel spirit into me, like a shaman does, I'm going to electrify my spirit. Theoretically, if we believe this stuff. So, you know, and I've done it you know, with people also, and people are like, uh, it's, you know, it's work for a lot of people. The whole idea is how do we protect spots we can't see 
I believe that attachments usually go on places that where, where consciousness doesn't fall. Why do I find them physically attached to people's backs a lot? Is because you don't have your consciousness on your back. You have your consciousness in your stomach, on your hands, on your legs, but we're not thinking about our backs and the backs of our heads and places that we can't see, right? So if you're doing protection, you usually want to think about places that you can't see. Another good protection spell that I like is, uh, well, one of the best, there's certain kinds of protection spells too. Another one that I like to do that I get from animals is called like what I call snake skin. Like every animal has a special power, like a Pokemon. So what would the snake's power be? Well, the snake sheds its skin. Well, how can anything attach to you if you're shedding your skin? Right? So imagine in your brain when you're doing your meditation that literally you have a skin like Scooby-Doo and you're zippering your skin and taking off your skin like a suit and leaving it behind. And anything that's negative or attached is attached to the skin that you leave behind you like a snake. So that's a simple one that you can do in your brain. Just get rid of that old skin, kind of put it behind you. And I'm telling you, you'll feel better. You'll feel like, oh, wow, that kind of feels good after I did that. No, duh. Yeah, that's a great visualization. Right? Like leaving that old skin, putting it behind you, putting that to rest. You know, whatever's attached is attached to that old self. Yeah. You know, and a new self is coming out and the old self is like all the icky stuff. Even if it's parts of yourself you're trying to get through, psychological things that you're trying to get through that's the old self that's you know abusive so leave the old self behind you and become the new self take off the skin um you know different like i said different things like that um and then another but for me the most powerful one is learning how to be an apex what i call a spiritual apex predator so what does it mean to be an apex predator it means that you're the predator and that's the prey and if your kali kali eats dragons eat the demon you know and learning how to i can only say like learning how to eat them like i feel like their biggest fear is being consumed by something more powerful than it like something literally eating it and digesting it so uh, instead of fighting your demons, sometimes just, I, I kind of make a joke about it. I say, try eating your demons and see how they like it. So people go, what do you mean eating it? One, I had a friend of mine, she's like, Craig, I have these psychic spiders that I think this wizard's sending me. I'd be like, how do they taste? He go, what do you mean? I go, have a bite of them and see how they like it. So she goes, now every time the spiders come, she started eating them and then they went away. She goes, oh, the spiders are gone. I was like, no, duh, who likes to be eaten? So be a dragon. <laughs> that eats things, be Kali that consumes things, be Galactus that eats planets, right? Go be, I went from Dr. Strange to Galactus in like three years, like feeling like I could eat a demon, you know, just eat it. And then it's dead, you know, it's like to make sure I go to the uh, colonoscopy once in a while. But besides that, you know, I think you're okay. Um, so, and being fierce and knowing how to be what being fierce really is. Uh, and I don't know, you know, everyone thinks about a wizard's reputation. And I think when you're fierce, that's it. I mean, people, oh, Craig, do you ever want people to fear you? And I think people should fear you. I feel like when you're a magician, people should have a healthy fear of you. That way they don't fuck with you. They don't waste your time. 
They need to think that you could do the absolute worst to them, right? They need to think that I could have a talk with Lucifer tomorrow and literally like send him over. Because most people just don't mess with you. And every if they think you're magical, people want to see what you're made of, which is a reason why I don't really like advertise myself like you do, because I don't want people to see, try to see what I'm about, right? I mean, do you find yourself, you're such a public guy, do you find yourself people trying to test you all the time and you know yeah especially the last year or so where you know i've kind of become way way more into the public eye you definitely need to learn to wear a different skin that's for sure so i, I love your uh snake skin theory there one of so the you're one, gonna have to just zip out zip on and off all the time yeah for sure well, well, one, for one of the tools that i actually tell people to use, which is very similar for dealing with hexing, cursing, um, even mild possession, things like that, is to go through a symbolic death. Um, you know, if you become death and you are reborn and you're no longer who you once were, then now you are free of the encumbrance of that last life, right? Like one of the necromantic ways to do that really easily without having to do any alchemy is, you know, get some corpse water, get it from your, you can usually, if you can find the right uh, coroner, you can get some corpse water that they've used for washing bodies off with. And you can put that on your body and it literally covers you in death and everything else that is around and stuck to you will just kind of dissolve off because it will not attach to something that is dead. Right. So that's, that's another cool, interesting one. And then the, the other thing that I find that is super useful in it, I, I kind of got the idea from, you know, the story of Jesus when he's, uh, when he's walking through the town and there's the possessed man and he goes and deals with the possessed man and, you know, who are you? Well, my name is Legion. And he casts out Legion. Well, he actually like, grabs it and throws it into a herd of pigs right so because i'm an energy worker i have the ability to feel these attachments and so i i'll actually grab that attachment and i'll cast it somewhere you know cast it into a lake cast it into a fire cast it into you know try not to throw it into an animal if you don't have to but you know throw these things away and that's another super helpful thing that especially you know people people will take pot shots at you when you're in the public eye just to you know see if they can which is oh you know it's it's a weird thing that i kind of i didn't want to believe people were like that but you know i deal with a lot of demonolatry type people things like that where you know they're they're not necessarily afraid of trying out dark things just for the fun of it well i mean here's my feeling about it personally it's like most of the things that I would want to do, I would want, I want the reason why I don't say like work with demons is not because I don't have any problem with people that do. It's only because I want to have faith in that my magic can do anything that I want. I don't want to be dependent on another spirit to get me what I want when I should be able to do it with my magic. Why do I need this thing's magic when my goddamn magic should be powerful enough to get what I want? right and if the spirits of the world want to help me they should help me anyway because i'm awesome not because i go and beg them and petition them that's just i love me. that, <laughs> I totally right? that. they want to come because i'm awesome right <laughs> you know they want to, it's like i shouldn't have to go beg them to come they want to come because i'm freaking cool and i'm you know it's like yeah. you can tell people that are look i meet a lot of people in this business and there's a small percentage of them you know, that I think are genuinely magic and have shown me magic and show me things that have blown my mind. They're out there. 
Um, and um, it's, it's when you meet those couple of people that really blow your mind like that, you, you know, they're out there. I just don't think it's 80% of the people, you know, 80% of the people, I hate to say it is kind of, are kind of LARPing. Yeah, I was just going to say, you have the LARP crowd that, you know. <laughs> you know, and they're LARPing and it's a Halloween spirit thing. And it's all about being baneful and baneful. And it's like, it's like, oh, I was so baneful with Osmodius. And I was like, well, I was not baneful with Ashima, the goddess of the Canaanites. I just offered a flower and put it on my windowsill for her. And guess what? I got the same result, putting a flower on my windowsill for Ashima, the Canaanite goddess, as you did by putting a black dead rat for Osmodius. Because it's all about our projection. You know, like my feeling is, and I, this is controversial, there are no rebellious spirits. There are only human beings are the rebellious spirits and we project our own rebelliousness onto this ego onto these spirits that they're somehow rebellious when they're just them they're just who they are they how can you rebel if god created you how could you really rebel against something that created you it doesn't really make sense you're part of something how can you rebel against your own molecules in a sense so you know, how could you have really rebellion? If God created everything, how could there even be rebellious spirits? Because God created the rebellious spirits or could not make them exist, right? So to me, I, I feel like people need to feel rebellious and I've always needed to feel rebellious. So they create a spirits in the images of rebellion. And I think that's okay, but it doesn't mean that the spirit is necessarily a rebellious spirit or that the spirits of Goetia are rebellious spirits. You know, that's the church's interpretation of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you also brought up, you know, like you are the authority and how that's something that you stepped into right away because anyone who has done an actual exorcism knows that if you aren't able to step into that role and step into authority, you're fucked. There's no way that you're going to be able to do the process. And so it's really, really cool that you picked up on that right away, almost like, you know, this is your gift from spirit type thing, right? You know, like there's, I, I, going back to that same example of, you know, Jesus with Legion, well, why did the Romans think that he was a devil worshiper and was causing issues? Because he was casting out demons with his own authority. He wasn't calling upon gods. He wasn't calling upon anything because in his mind, he was God and he had the ability to throw out demons, right? Okay. So it's now, now, now what's really interesting is um, all of these experiences with spirits, certain things happened that were always in common. And one of these things is they always asked, there's always a moment where they, it's basically what I say, like, who the fuck do you think you are moment? Like, who the hell are yeah. you? And it's always a moment that comes somewhere in it where they are like, who the hell do you think you are? Or who are you? And who the hell are you? A, I never tell them my name. I when I say, who am I? I say, ask the sky my name. Ask the sky, ask the clouds my name. And they go, uh? I go, ask the angels my name. Ask the angels my name and they will tell you. But you do not deserve my name. And if you want to know my name, ask Archangel Michael right now my name. And they go, oh. so I never give them. They always want to know who they are. And then they always say, by what authority? It's almost like who's, who gave you authority to do this? And like you said, by whose authority? Sometimes they even say, whose authority? Or what makes you think you can do this? Or who the hell gives you the right? Or something like that. 
And I always say, whose authority? My authority, mine. And that took a lot of courage to say that my authority, not anybody else's authority, my authority. And that one guy, when we were in the rain and I made him get like a pig and I was cutting his throat, you know, he was like, for a minute, I said, you know what? I was going to call an angel of judgment to come down on you, on your spirit. But guess what I realized? I am the angel of judgment, motherfucker. I am the (laughs) angel of judgment. I am. And I'm here to judge you. And that's when it went down. And that's when he went on the ground. And And then I make him drink holy water, holy water, holy water. And then quick, we went upstairs and we got like um, the prayers from the Quran because there was some kind of weird, like there was just this gin thing that kept going around. It was almost like the gin disease. <laughs> so that's it, knowing the spirit's authority. Like uh, I have different, um, oh, I want something I forgot. We were talking about spiritual protection and this is a really good spiritual protection, right? So, and this comes from a lot of Taoism that I've studied too, Taoist magic. Um, it's what I call scarecrow, right? So by making a false target, ethereally, right? You create a false target in the ether so that any magical attacks go to the scarecrow and don't go to you. So you make a scarecrow of yourself and you could even make it of yourself or put it outside and even make an effigy of yourself and say, this is my scarecrow. This represents me. And then you put it outside to be all the attacks that would go to me, go to the scarecrow. And that's great. And when people try to target you magically, they see the scarecrow. That's actually really interesting because one of the things I'm uh, working on right now, I'll I'll divulge it, is uh, have you ever uh, heard of Dorian Gray, the portrait of Dorian Gray? Mm -hmm. So same idea, right? So any time that Dorian gets hurt, his portrait gets hurt. So I actually have commissioned to have a portrait done of me and the portrait will be my Dorian Gray portrait, right? So that's that's pretty cool that you do the same thing with the scarecrow or effigy or puppet or, you know, what, however you want to put that same thing together. Uh, the only other like really like crazy magical experiences, the other things that I do magically that are cool is I do do cloud magic. So what's cool about cloud magic is I've had witnesses around me that have seen it. And there's other people that do it. They call it cloud busting or working with clouds where you're just like, stop a cloud I, the clouds going across the sky i can use my brain i try to stop the cloud from moving sometimes i try to push it together sometimes i try to break it in half and just try to use my will and it's a really really good magical practice because if you learn how to do it and um, i've had people witnesses watch me do it and also line them up like i've seen craig do this uh, i can get them to change colors sometimes i can get them to flash lights uh, and it's something we all can learn how to do uh, and it's easy just sit in a field. You don't need very much, just some billowy clouds in the sky and just you being really empty minded and they're very, very get into a nice trance state. Like we supposedly learn in magic to get into a trance, get into a nice trance state, try to connect with a cloud in the sky, try to get it to stop, try to get it to like change, try to get it to go in the other direction. Sometimes you can get um, the clouds to change dark. If you think about it being dark, you can get it to darken. 
Uh, and what's cool about that is that's magic you can see. Like an exorcism is great because it's magic that you can see. There's a lot of people that do magic, but can you really see it? Well, exorcisms are great because you can see it. Come to one, try something you can see. Cloud magic is and weather magic is like that to me because you can see it, right? Learning how to try to make it windy on a still day, being outside when it's very still and trying to make it windy. That kind of stuff really is exciting because that- So is that you sending us all the wind? Can you please stop it? Oh, it's, it's no wind <laughs> right now, but I love weather magic. Weather magic's huge in, in Taoism and weather magic, if you learn how to do it, it's probably the most empowering magic. Next to like exorcist magic, I think it's the most empowering magic that there is because you can see it. You know, it's like your friends can see it. You're, you'd be like, watch that cloud. It's going to stop in the middle of the sky, right in the middle, right over that building. And when you do it, they're like, how did you do that? It was moving at like 40 miles an hour. Uh, I like magic you can see, you know, it's like there's a lot of talk and talk and people who are like, you know, um, I knew this one dude who was like studying Aleister Crowley his whole life, whatever, doing magic and doing like Enoki and stuff. I'm like doing calling on these watchtowers and i think i was like that's great but I, I need what can i see you know and what i like about exorcist work is i can see it like if i watched you do it i would be like okay i'm seeing something happen yeah. right whereas you know just like oh i prayed to a goddess and you know i got the assistant manager job at wendy's like thank you boone for the assistant manager job at wendy's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, that's one of the things too, is, you know, I, I love that you said tangible magic and weather magic is great for that, because not a lot of people want to do a real exorcism, you know, sometimes, like you said, it, it really is like in the movies, you know, like I, I did one, what was it two weeks ago in our shop, and like the lady had full blown, like pea soup vomit coming out while I was doing it in the middle of our store. Right. And so like, seeing that tangible thing happen is like holy fuck this is like this is actually real this is really happening yeah you it's know? like you step out of Dungeons and dragons you step out of larping and all of a sudden it's real it's like i'm not just rolling the dice and fighting the demon like there's actually a demon coming at me yeah. that i really have to outwit and sometimes physically like the girl i had to wrestle to keep her off of me now you know i'm not you know i could have punched her in the face too you know but i didn't you know because i knew that it was something else right i didn't want to punch her in the face i came close she kept literally she kept trying to grab my dish take out your dick wizard and i was like what the hell is going on she was like cling on horny woman and she was on fire she was only five foot two uh but she understood something you know uh What's really interesting on the wall, right in my living room, I have um, from the Kabbalah, there's what's called the 72 names of God, right? So it's like a real kind of like, you know, Kabbalah thing. It's sort of nice through these beautiful 72 names, combination of these letters. And I have a big print of it on my room. Remember, she saw that. She goes, those are the 72 holy names of God. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, yeah I know you have 99 in, um, in Islam. So what's great is I would have never gotten involved in jinn, in Islamic lore, Islamic magic, um, if it wasn't for like these experiences with the jinn. And I believe it. It's funny because the jinn have a reputation. If you speak to a lot of people who do this, they always say, watch out for the ones that like seem to be jinn. They seem to be a lot worse. 
And I don't know if you've heard about like the gin as a specific class of spirit or have any like gin examples, but I'll tell you, I think that there, I think that the legend is true that the gin are a specific flavor. And I don't know if they're a different thing than a normal thing or just a flavor of demon. I'm not sure. Well, and even like amongst like demonolatry and, and, you know, demonology, the gin are always a very hot, hot spirit that is like very, very hard to control. It's like playing with fire, right? You know, like some of the books and grimoires from Arabia are absolutely, you know, they're, they're tomes for creating destruction and death and murder and, you know, like the, it's frightening shit. And I, I think that whether, you know, whether you want to classify them as the actual Arabian jinn or whatever they are, the, I think the, even just if it's just the lore around these spirits have definitely created some form of an egregore or something that they are a very hard to control, very hot, very powerful spirit, right? I mean, it, again, I think it's all, um, yeah, they really, you know, out of all of them, they seem like they were the hardest but again, they seem to have um, they seem to have authority. Like the jinn, if you research it, there's like the jinn kings. So the one guy, like who was I thought had a jinn spirit, I was like, I was like, I threatened. I was like, I will summon the jinn kings before us right now unless you submit. Do you want me to do that? I'll go take out the spell right now. I'll show it to you and I will say the words. You want me to summon the jinn king right now? He's like, no, don't summon the jinn king. Now I don't know if he knew. Who the Jin King was, didn't know what the Jin King was, but it scared him. Right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the idea of the Jin King was, he, he's a Jin King. There's a king. And I'm like, oh, you better believe it. You didn't know that there's a Jin King. Why don't I summon him before us right now and have him judge you? You know, I'll have one of your own kind judge you, motherfucker. Ugh. Don't do that. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just fucking get the book right now. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, I think I have the book on my shelf. You know, I'll summon the Jin King of the day. He'll come before us and he'll judge you, bitch. Like, no, don't do that. So there is a certain amount of, of what I find is like, uh, you know, sort of bluffing, but it, it's happy when it works out. Like, you know, could I really bind her soul to a stone and cast it in the sea? I'd like to think that I could. Um, I know there are people in the world that can. Maybe you're the guy to do that kind of stuff. But um, I will tell you that Part of magic, honestly, is having the other people believe it too. Because if you're like, well, Craig, it's only the belief of one person, but if somebody else accepts the premise that you could actually do this to them, honestly, you're halfway there in terms of magic. I'll give you an example. Like there was this guy who was at one of my parties and did something rapey with one of my friends and he was in the occult community. And I wanted to get back at him. And I just started being like, hey, is there any wizards out there? I want to have a thousand wizards curse somebody's balls who's a rapist, who's in with me. And I just want, I made sure that he would saw it and I wanted to see it in different areas. You know, did I really get a thousand wizards to curse his balls? You know, no, I might've gotten like a couple of them. But I mean, uh, just the idea that someone could accept that you can, the premise that that could get done. Like when I was doing the exorcisms, these things just accepted the premise. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a priest of Solomon. So I'm a priest of Solomon. And she just, oh, you are. Huh, huh. It's like, she just accepted it as being true. So that is really will. It's like having a dominant personality. 
getting people to, and it is a form of hypnosis too. I think it's both. Is it magic? Is it spiritual? Is it a form of hypnosis? Like you're actually hypnotizing people and the power of suggestion. Like if you say hypnosis, hypnotists could say, we're going to go out in the rain and it's going to burn your skin and the person will go out and burn. See, you see it all the time, right? So am I hypnotizing it? It's both, right? Because it when look, when that demon sees you pull out the seal of Solomon and you doing all this stuff, it has a belief in its mind that these things work too, right? It has a belief that somehow these scribble scrabbles from the Middle Ages have authority over it. So it has to accept the premise that it can get hurt by it. And if it accepts that premise, you're halfway there. So getting somebody to share the magical premise that you could do these things, I think is half of it. Because then you really don't have to do it. They create it themselves. People's own fear create the magical outcome. If I'm afraid you could curse me and I'm thinking about that, I'm going to create the curse without you having to do anything. Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's one of, you know, the first black magic tactics that I think most people learn is, you know, the power of suggestion is uh, often enough to cause somebody to create a curse or acts on themselves, right? Right, because then somebody says, oh my God, this witch put a hex on me. They're thinking about it all the time. They're worried about it. Oh, my car's not starting without the hex. Maybe your car's not starting because you didn't change your oil. You know, yeah. but like you'll read into every situation like it's a curse or a hex or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm sure I've had people like put curses on me, hexes up down at, at times and stuff like that. But, you know, I just see it as like, you know, food. You know, it's like, it's like, you know why I like dragons? It's like, because I like dragons for two reasons. A, because they're kind of like these ascended serpents, you know, and they're, they're magical creatures. And, and as a totem, you know, they go back to like such a long way, you know, in terms of magic and dragons. Like, come on, you know, what's more magical than a dragon? So I really like dragon magic. Uh, and then you find out when you go east, there's all kinds of dragon magic in the East. That's where it really came from. It came through Persia and into the, into Europe and stuff. And a lot of it came from, from Asia. And uh, what's interesting about dragons is you start to learn that dra dragons in Taoism are forces of nature. They're not just creatures from Dungeons and Dragons, they're forces of nature. And when you start to understand a dragon spirit as a force of nature, it's like, do you want to be a wizard or would you rather be a force of nature? You know what? I'd rather be a force of nature because if I'm a force of nature, you can't stop me. If you're a wizard, you need those scrolls and those spells or you can't do your job. If I'm a force of nature, I don't need any of that stuff. So, you know, be a force of nature. And that's why nature magic and wind magic is great because you feel like a force of nature. You're like, I'm making the wind where it wasn't windy and, I'm making the wind stop and, you know, I'm, you know, feeling a breeze and, you know, making it not rain right above us and making the clouds go apart. So I try to try to say, say out of bane, baneful magic. I mean, I got a couple of times like this rapist guy, I was like, you know, he just, he's upset me so much. I felt like he deserved it, but, you know, sometimes you just like, you know, people don't realize too, when you, Heck, somebody or curse somebody, you create an attachment. See, attachments aren't only with demons and negative spirits, but they're also with other human beings. So when we 
curse another human beings, like it or not, you created an attachment point between you and that person. Yeah. Right. And if, and if they're adept at doing anything at all, they'll be able to use that thread to go right back at you. Right. So, or go back at you or pull you right down into the sewer with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, and you, I mean, the, the good thing about, like, I like about, you know, like the whole story about the Buddha is the magic of detachment. Sometimes not, um, there's a certain uh, surrender in like Taoism that you don't have so much in, in the Western magic. Like Western magic, I think like you're willing things and you're willing things. And I find in like Eastern magic, it's like the Tao is just a flow and you're just letting it flow through you. You know, you're letting something just flow. It's you don't have to will it so much. You're just a matter of getting aligned with a river that's already in motion. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And it's less about will, the will. I mean, that's great. I love that. But sometimes it's nice when you're like the Buddha. They don't take will to just sit and meditate in the terms to flowers. He does that without his will. He just kind of like, you know, doesn't have to try very hard to do that. So. But anyway, uh, then it's like, you know, most of the times it's like uh, another thing that really upsets me in the magic community is like half the people online, you have these people, poor people that come from Africa and they're like, I want to learn about demons. And they're like, you have these beautiful shamans in your country and all this ancient religion that was just trampled on by Christianity. And like, it's such, it's like, go find some shamans. Like, why do these people come and you know, they come, you know, looking for like our demons and even these demons and stuff. You know, what, what is it? Demon, demon comes from the word uh, a tutelary helper. And I think gin is kind of the same thing. It was a tutelary helper. Now, what's interesting about the, the gin is one of the earliest gin kings is a spirit called Azizos, who is the gin king of Palmyria right? And Azizos, from my research, is the precursor to what we know as Azazel in the Hebrew religion and then into like demonology as Azazel. And there's a lot of evidence to show how Azazos becomes Azazel. Um, and at one point, he was one of the most revered god right in syria which is like so close so why would the syrian god become a demon well uh the syrians were the enemies of the ancient hebrews so they would demonize azazos and into azazel right so any all the enemies of your friend because they're the fallen angels of course and so so why does it become like wrong well this is where you get the idea of like demons being a naughty thing like summoning demons because if you know in a monotheistic religion to work with gods and goddesses of other faiths is naughty right so it has to be hidden and it goes underground and it becomes like the forbidden fruit and the forbidden fruit becomes the demon right so working with something that's a naughty spirit, something you're not supposed to be doing, right? That whole feeling like, oh, this is sort of a naughty thing dealing with the spirit. Well, like what's naughty? Um, and then there's other research that I've done also that's kind of interesting. What was the other one? Valak, which is another demon, comes from Velez. But uh, another thing is, oh, Haman, right? 
is a very most of those popular demons in demonology, King Payman, right? In the movies, we all hear about King Payman. So my research is Payman. If you look at the picture of him on the camel in the thing with the headdress, it's the exact picture of, again, back to Azazos, who has the same exact picture and the same thing. And Azazos was for the Palmyrian. Palmyrian. So how easily could the Palmyrian, right? And, and he was the Jin king. So Azazos is always associated. Um, they talk about Payman as being a Jin, a Jin sometime, and Azazos is always the Jin king. Then the other connection is Azazos. In the grimoires, they talk about Azazos and Lucifer being like connected. I'm sorry, um, Payman and Lucifer, like Payman and Lucifer work together. Well, Azazos was a, a god of the morning star, and so was Lucifer, was another morning star god. So they're both also connected by being morning star gods, gods associated with Venus. So there's a lot of arguments that I can make about this. Um, but, and he's a really little known God. I expect everyone to like, you know, get Azazos. We should bring back his culture because the culture of Azazos went all the way into Rome. They worshiped him really, really far all the way up to like parts of almost Phoenicia. And uh, so what happens to these gods? What happened to Azazos? Did he disappear? No, he be they becomes a demon. So this is what happens again and again. There might be some that, you know, people say, oh, well, who are there are demons that were originally demons? Well, there's some that might be demons originally, like Pazuzu, you know, maybe not have been a god. But then you hear Pazuzu was actually a protective spirit and protected you against demons, like something that you could use to defend yourself against demons. So it's, it's still a mixed bag with Pazuzu, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times, again, every time I try to research thing. It's like the enemy of the Jews or Zoroaster was somebody that was a demon. And that, um, so if you were an enemy of Zoroastrians or an enemy of the ancient Hebrews, that's the first place to look on where these spirits came from. Some of them came from Europe, like, uh, is it Va 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 Velez or Valak is yeah. a demon. Valak is a demon that I re researched that I believe comes from Velez who's a Baltic, like Loki god of the Baltic called Velez. And um, there's a strong connection with the dragons. And again, it's just a god of another culture. Like he was the god of the, the Balkans and he wasn't a bad guy, you know? He was just a mixed bag. They compared him to like a little bit of a trickster god. It's like, so a lot of religions had a trickster god in them all across the world, right? A trickster god. Yeah, absolutely. So, and all of these old gods had two faces, right? They were, you know, they had very much a dark side and very much a light side, just depended on how you approached them. Well, they were more human, which is why the idea of a daemon or even a djinn was, a, was more of a closer spiritual connection, right? So the idea behind a demon, a, a, the daemon in the original thing was kind of like, someone that was close, like a close spirit, almost like a confidant, like almost like an intimate relationship with this thing on a close level. And whatever that thing was, was what it was. People would have that intimate relationship with an invisible, like an invisible friend almost, right? Yeah. So that's how it all kind of started. And that became a little bit more 
some of these gods or goddesses were a little bit closer. Like Azazos was kind of a close household god. Like, what does it mean a household god? That means like they were there to really protect the household things and people in people's homes and stuff like that, and like their possessions. And Azazos originally was chasing around caravans um, uh, to protect them. And, uh, you know, he's just an awesome god. And he was just god of the Palmyrians. They had a lot of interesting gods, too. They had, who else was one of their gods? Nemesis. They actually had Nemesis as one of their gods that they borrowed over from the room. Who's another thing, like some people, there's a great goddess right there. I would hate to unleash Nemesis on somebody. Like, you know, there's a lot of great gods out there. But the whole thing is that are you invoking a god or are you invoking aspects of yourself? And I always feel like it really doesn't matter because either way we can't prove it, but you can always see what's the result at the end. If the result is that it works, like, can I prove that these people that are in exorcisms really have demonic afflictions versus a psych- some sort of psychiatric disorder? I can't really do that. I can't prove it hundred percent. I can only say what I believe in my heart. Right. Yeah. And really, does it matter? You're you're helping them, and in the end, they become better, right? If if they believe it works, is it the placebo effect? That's a big part of it. Do they believe it's working or helping them, and they're going along with it and creating this big fabrication? Yeah, but if it helps the person, then that's I can only say like the one guy felt like he had his life back. The guy, these people feel like much better. They feel like their life has been returned to them, uh, and. You know, I do it on different ways now. I don't do it quite so. Uh, I find there's different ways that I work on people now. See, I used to work on people where I would like kind of like talk to them and kind of confront them and try to pull this thing out of them. But then I started working with body work, believe it or not, like massage. And I find like if I sit on somebody's back, and I have them prone down and I use my hands and I kind of press certain areas of their body. I can connect to where this thing is. And then because I'm on top of the person, I really have control and they kind of feel like they're getting either like a rough massage or they don't really know sometimes what's going on, but it's like, I'm really in control. So it'll seem like, Oh, Craig's giving somebody a massage. And then all of a sudden they'll go, and it doesn't sound like a massage noise or an ooh and an ah, it'll all be a weird noise. But what I like about it, doing body work, combining it with exorcism, I know it's sort of weird. Like, how could you combine body work and exorcism? Because it relaxes the person into it. You know, it's like they're relaxing into an experience and they kind of don't even realize what's going on. And then until it's almost gone out of them. Hold on a second. Sorry about that. (laughs) And so how do people find you, Craig? Uh, they really don't because don't? I don't really Do you find them. Well, they honestly, they come into my life and that's the way I like it because I really don't want, you really couldn't pay me enough to do this stuff. I have another job, you know, like, thank God I have another job because I wouldn't even know what to charge people like 5,000, 10,000. Like, what do you charge people to do something? Like I took your, a thing that was ruining your life spiritually off of that. You know, do you have a sliding scale? I mean, look, you charge for spiritual services. And to this day, I really didn't even know. That was one of the reasons I never charged money for my services. Cause I don't really even know how to quantize it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Sure. How do you uh, how do you monetize that service? It's how much is it worth to you to get a demon off your back? Some people it's worth a lot of money, 
you know, but most people are like, uh, am I going to pay some guy that I don't even know five grand? And you'd also don't want to feel like you're taking advantage of people. But the most important thing is if you want to protect yourself from the demons, don't give it food. What is it eating? They're always something that is eating. And unfortunately, and this kind of reminds me like, remember that whole thing, like the seven deadly sins, like sloth, uh, avarice like all these like horrible traits and their demons i almost feel like and this is gonna sound really cheesy like there's a negative trait that that thing is just eating up on as of something about you that you some kind of attachment something you haven't let go some kind of negativity some kind of shame some kind of self-doubt trauma you know abuse you know, feelings of rejection, loneliness, um, not liking your body, you know, um, uh, you know, certain kinds of drug abuse, uh, which is really reminded, that's a whole other story too. Sometimes the shamanism isn't like demons. Sometimes it's like a really beautiful thing because I don't consider this an exorcism, but one time this guy comes to me and he came through a friend and he has, he looked like a very Peruvian face, you know, the Peruvian look, it's very, their noses are very angular and their skin are just a certain tone, very like native. And he's like, oh no, I was raised by Italians and adapted Christian, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why are you coming to me then? He goes, well, I kind of heard a little bit about you. And I'm sort of interested in like what you do is like a shaman. Da, da, da. And I was, I looked at him, I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I think that you might be a shaman. And he looked at me like, what? And I was like, ah. I'm kind of looking at you and like, I'm just, I see you as a shaman in my brain. I had this image of him as like somehow like not there, but in another place. So now this particular time, um, there was a little bit of uh, psychedelics involved. You know, he liked to do a little bit of mushrooms. So, you know, he asked for it. So I was like, okay, so let's do some mushrooms. But I've been doing them like a long time. And I know the difference between a hallucination and something that's like goes a little bit beyond that, right? So we're together. We're, we're, I'm looking at him one time and I'm just like, I'm looking at him and I keep thinking about him. And I just keep saying like, you're a shaman. I know you are. You need to remember. And all of a sudden I look around us and we weren't where we were. We were in the jungle, right? And everything had changed around us. And without saying a word, he looked at me and he says, are we in the jungle right now? Or is it my imagination? <laughs> and I was having the same exact experience where it was like a group vision that came to both of us. Then I looked at his face and his face, all of a sudden he couldn't make eye contact with me. And I was like, I, I, I also do some teaching with actors on the side. So when someone can't make eye contact with me, I start to work on that right away. I was like, come on, let's work on your eye contact. Why can't you make eye contact with me? Makes eye contact with me. All of a sudden, right in front of me, his face changes from a man's face into like a woman's face. And the woman is kind of shy and it wasn't him anymore. And without a prompt out of his face, I didn't say anything. I didn't say, oh my God, I see a woman. He says, Craig, did I just become a woman? And I was like, yeah, some kind of woman spirit just showed up right now. And I don't know if it's a woman from your past or for you, but it was 100% clear to me and it was clear to you. He goes, yeah. 
I've never experienced anything like that before. So that was some crazy shit, dude. <laughs> that was like the crazy magical stuff. And then I think the other crazy magical stories I have was like meeting what I think was a real fa- fairy, but it was in a person. That's another thing. It's like sometimes these spirits can be wound up on a person that's alive, if that makes sense. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like she had a, f- uh, I can only say she had a, fa- a fairy spirit wrapped around her and it did the most powerful magic that I've ever seen in my life. And I think it was like that, that glamour magic where someone could make you see things that aren't there. Like she was making me see things that felt like I was on a magic carpet ride. I wasn't even where I was supposed to be. And she was controlling the whole thing. She goes, I want you to see this and look at this. And it would show me things that would just appear. And I've never had anybody do that level of magic to me ever before. So that was really impressive. And this is before I even figured out that she was a fairy because I was like, what kind of magic was that? I've seen all kinds of shit. I fought demons and I've never seen anything like that. But it was again, this whole idea that somebody could get you to see what they wanted you to see. I couldn't tell if I was seeing something that was already there that she was like, Oh, I'm showing you something that's already there that I'm just tuning you into. Or she was like, look at these things. And it was just crazy. Cause it was like, she was, her face was changing colors. It was like, I was in a, a Starburst commercial and somebody was making me have this experience. It's like, yeah, you see this, I want to show you this now. So I've never had that experience where somebody controlled what I was seeing. And that brings me back to this experience when I was doing my exorcism. Uh, sometimes I think that I was controlling somebody else's experiences. And I think that that don't underestimate that glamour magic, how powerful it is to control somebody's experience. It's like, I think cult leaders do it, you know, and don't go with people. That's how they get people under their spell getting people to experience things that they want them to experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. I think we need to book another session, obviously. Uh, well, this is a lot time. of fun. <laughs> this is a lot of fun talking about this stuff. I'm glad you guys uh, call me, you know, because it's like a lot of people don't believe this stuff, but I know that people out there like intuitively, they're like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. And some kind of people it's happened to, and they don't even realize it. It's like, oh, why did this person all of a sudden get really angry out of the blue when I didn't do anything? And sometimes we kick up demons and other people for no reason. Or somebody starts acting crazy right next to you walking down the street when they were just fine. And all of a sudden they start acting really weird just because you're there. And I think here it disrupts their demons. Yeah, it does. It kicks it up. Yeah. It's like you're kicking up sand or kicking up snakes. Yeah. So I think that's great for our listeners to hear that and, um, you know, maybe probably relate to it that they just didn't realize what was happening. Right. So that is fantastic. Well, I mean, it's like you don't want to you don't want to worry about it. You don't want to be paranoid about it, but you also want to learn to be on top of it it's almost like if you ignore it uh then that you do that at your own you know at your own peril because i like i didn't want to believe it and it really made my life so much more complicated i went from being an atheist pretty much and again agnostic to being like a wizard in like four months of just like 
nonstop things happening and uh, you know, being thrust into it and stuff like that. It's like, it's not, it's not all fun. It's not all fun in games because people are going to come into your life and there it's going to be like an icky yucky situation. But um, the good news is it's like, someone's got to do the dirty work, right? Like I just got a colonoscopy. Someone's got to do that. That's a doctor too. It may not be as nice as the arm doctor or the brain doctor, but that guy is going to keep you alive. He probably keeps more people alive by what he does in the dirty work, right? He saves a lot of lives. And that's kind of like what this work really is. It's dirty work, but it can save a life, right? For sure. Well, this was a great little chat, Craig. We're really happy that you came on today. We might have to do this again in the future for sure. And for our listeners out there, now you know that, you know, to loosely quote Hellboy, there are things that go bump in the night and you might want to learn to bump back. <laughs> All right, guys. Really nice to talk to you again, okay? You bet, for sure. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks. <laughs>